In partnership with Paizo, the No Direction Network welcomes you to our PaizoCon Online 2020 seminar coverage. While you enjoy your PaizoCon Online seminar coverage, remember that these were recorded online and that some minor audio and connection issues are to be expected. Hi everyone, uh, this is Sarah from Paizo's art department and welcome to the Art of Paizo panel. We will be doing, uh, we will be going through some art that we've had um, ordered throughout the year and then we will be doing a sort of a um, interactive live draw with um, Kent, one of our art directors here at Paizo. So let's just begin with some introductions. Um, Again, my name is Sarah and I've been at Paizo for like forever. And um, I am the um, manager for the whole art department. And let's go to Adam. Hi, uh, I'm Adam Vick. I've uh, worked for Paizo for about the last four years. I am the art director for the Starfinder AP line and for a lot of the animated trailers and uh, online stuff that you guys see. Um, I'm Kent Hamilton and uh, I'm one of the art directors at Paizo. I also do a lot of the in-house art and concept work and uh, that's me. There we go. And former yeah, artist. And oh yeah, yeah. and former <laughs> freelance artist for Paizo. Yeah, I think um, I worked with Kent for I don't know maybe four to six years before he started at Paizo. And um, actually, this is his first official Paizo employee PaizoCon. So that's yay. right. Yeah. <laughs> One way to start it. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Hi guys, thanks everybody for tuning in. Yep. So I think we can just go through kind of like what actually kind of goes on in the art department for Paizo. Um, because we do a lot of stuff. Um, I mean, we only, not only do we make the books and design the books and whatever, but we do a whole bunch more. We also do a lot of marketing. We also do, like Adam said, um, a lot of videos that you see for um, the Adventure Paths and other products. And we also um, make sure that the website looks, look, looks good and up to brand and everything. And that's just anything that we need to design for Paizo, we do. <laughs> Anything that um, has to look pretty. Yes. And um, so it's a typical day is not really typical. I mean, we do, um, we have our own projects, but then we, all know, we also have these emergency projects that we need to do. But then also we, the best part of our job, I think, is ordering the art for the books. Um, I think that's the best part that I like because I get to use uh, a whole bunch of artists from all around the world and they do some incredible work that we have in our pages. So if you wanted to be, if you want to just start with the art that we have here, um, the first one is the cover to the uh, Absalom book that will be coming out in the future. Um, so this one is from Ekaterina Burmack, and she's been our uh, cover artist for the Lost Omens series of books. And I chose her because she's very great with her characters and um, also her dynamic poses of the characters and also for her scenic scenes, but she demonstrates everything in this particular picture. Um, and I think we have like the skin saw, which is very uh, Pathfinder. And then we also, and then also for this one, she had turned in the final and then um, we got a look for one of our uh, 
police officers in Absalom. So I had to go back and ask her to put that in there so we could kind of match from the interior to the exterior. And then if we go to the next one. I love that piece. It turned out really good. Oh, and of course, this one is the the left-hand side of the Advanced Players Guide GM screen, which ta-da, I have back there. Um, this one, of course, is done by uh, Wayne Reynolds and features True Razor, one of James Jacobs' favorite, and um, these at least six of the iconics on this side. And then if you go to the next one, this is the right-hand side of the GM screen, which features, I think, the Bone Collector. I think that's what it is. And uh, the other six of the uh, um, Iconics. So all 12 are represented in this panel, and this, in this GM screen. And of He's course, Reynolds is like awesome and did an awesome job on this one. You have something to add, Adam? Uh, yeah, I was going to ask you, um, what could you talk a little bit about how you talk with Wayne about this? Just like a quick insight to when you, since when you Oh, well, it's, it's, it's very easy because, you know, yeah. he, he also plays the game. <laughs> he knows Pathfinder. So all we really need to say for him is, hey, all 12 IMP Pathfinder Iconics are fighting True Razor and um, a Bone Collector. And I did tell him, you know, we want this to be, I think this is a landscape one. So it needs to be um, two halves so we can yeah. exactly use it this way. Um, but yeah, I mean, Totally. Basically, it's it's like he is he just gets to play in his world almost like when exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think something cool to say about his stuff too is that it's almost always at almost scale, right? Like these are all hand painted and it's the size that it's oh, yeah. printed at, which is Yeah, crazy. and next and really this one he had to add more uh board to it because he's I think this is the one of the biggest pieces that he's done for us. Because yeah, actually this is the first um jam screen that he's actually done for us which is hmm. kind of amazing i know after all these <laughs> years amazing that I I know. <laughs> right so then well, well worth the wait so let's go to the next one my glasses are steaming okay so this is the um cover to the advanced players guide character sheet pack and um this isn't wayne but this is some another artist i uh, can't really say his name it's uh Kalar, no dennis uh Zabrakov or something like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and I think he, you know, captured the um, captured Wayne's iconics very well. Um, so, and then and that the only thing that I had to mention to him was the nine tail fox had had nine tails. He only put seven in. So, <laughs> yeah, it worked out for that. <laughs> I'm sure a couple of the tails were hiding behind. You know, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. but we need to show them. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of so, interesting, you know, to be able to make that dynamic, but then get every one of those in there and shown at the same time. Yeah, and for these um, character sheet packs, it's, it's kind of more like we've been doing them kind of like a series where they're like at the four iconics are coming and going down into a dungeon, and you know, um, yeah. So it it fits in with the line, I think. So then the next one, okay. So this is Starfinder now, and this is the cover to Alien Archive Four. And I think, Remco. Uh, yeah, this is from Remco Troost. He's our uh, Starfinder um, cover artist, and he's actually a really cool guy too. Um, we got to meet yeah. him like a few years ago. And um, so these are the three monsters that are featured on the uh, cover. Is the looks like a clockwork dragon, and I'm not sure what the other two are, but they're creatures. So and they look pretty cool. <laughs> um, Remco. Also helped design the iconics, right? Originally yes. for yes. for Starfinder. Yeah. Yep, he did all the iconics for the um, 
uh, core rulebook and the character operations manual. So he does he does that for Starfinder and for this one he the uh, he handed in the final and the Clockwork Dragon didn't really look too clockworky I guess. So we I did have to send this one back to him and be like, hey, put in more gears, make sure that you know he's like sci-fi and more clockwork and I think he delivered on this one. It looks really cool um, up close too as well. And I just like the Starfinder covers because they're like really super colorful and um, very, I guess, space-like. <laughs> yeah, very vibrant. It's a nice juxtaposition between the color palette and Pathfinder and kind of pulling it forward into the right. Arfong future. So then the next slide, oh, uh -oh. Is, is that you, Adam? That is me. Okay. Oh, jumping right into it. Okay. Uh, so hi again. Uh, my name's Adam. And I, like I was saying earlier, I do a lot of the ordering for the Starfinder APs. So I'm going to show off a little bit of the artwork that is in the Threefold Conspiracy and into the Devastation Arc Adventure Paths. And what I kind of wanted to show was just a little bit of the world building aspect and how we go into that and kind of what each of the pieces are for those. So in this one, I'm kind of don't want to give too much away because I don't want to ruin any of the adventures for any players out there or anything like that. But this one really focuses on um, a, a mystery. It kind of has a touch of an X-Files feel to it, but it kind of turns into its own thing. And so the whole um, goal was to kind of create different atmosphere and kind of give a little bit of a creepy vibe or feeling to things. And so this piece kind of was a good representation of what you as adventurers are going to be getting yourself into and just a little bit of a, what is this going on? Why do I kind of see a familiar type alien? from our world, but you kind of figure that out within the adventure path and it takes some pretty neat twists and turns. And so I thought this first piece is uh, done by one of our artists named Nathaniel James, kind of gives a good um, emotional resonance to what you as a player might be going through on that. So um, we can now move to the, the next slide. I really and, like this feel in, the, la in the, um, the last picture. Yeah, it just is kind of, I think in this one specific, because it's a mystery in the art trying to create kind of a atmospheric um, what's going on sort of thing and who are these guys and it some of these pieces don't have a lot of action to them but that's not really what the adventure was about it was more of you kind of investigating figuring out things and layers unfolded so this kind of just is another representation of that of um another just investigative kind of feel, but also within the Starfinder universe and, and kind of representing those characters. So those are kind of the scenes. Uh, we'll move to the next one. And these are just kind of some of the creatures and characters that you would be encountering along the way. And this was another one by Nathan. And um, I just kind of like the prompt that Jason Keeley came up for this and this weird giant brain-headed man, Dandy. Kind of just like, you know, what is this? Why? And that's what I think some of the artwork should do is just give you a, I don't, you know, this is just a crazy image. What What is this? What does this mean? So it just kind of gives you a quick, maybe I should read more about this and get into it. Um, so that's one example of that. And I'm just going to show a couple other characters here. We can move on to the next one. Um, this is a kind of updated drow. And I just liked the expression on her face. And it also is done by uh, Michele Giorgia. Georgie, sorry if I said it wrong. Um, <laughs> he's, a, he's a great artist that we use across Pathfinder and Starfinder. I particularly like to use him for just uh, portraitures um, and 
a, a variety of different things, but I I like his the way he does facial features and expressions. And this drow lady just had a good sense of mystery to me and kind of an inviting look that brings you in, which I thought was good for this AP. Um, so we can move on to the uh, next character. Uh, and this is by Marco Horvatin. And um, this kind of just represents, you know, there's just... In Starfinder, it's such a huge world and expanding and growing and we're figuring things out. And there's just so many different types of characters that can be within the world. And, you know, they can be very minor to large. And this one to me was just a good representation of kind of a, you know, small level um, street thug or somebody like that that would be smaller in the campaign. And I just liked the way that it kind of represented some of the aspects of the android of, you know, somebody that would be living in this world in one of the cities and just an everyday kind of type of guy and i think that that's a is important too to go along with the grander scale of things so that just represents him and uh we got one more character coming up after him spadillo can move to that and this is just uh kind of oh, a real cool. creepy drawing here really cool. <laughs> by uh, javier charo yeah. and this is you know just kind of representing you know, what's going on in this adventure path. You know, there's a lot of twists and turns and, you know, not everything is as it seems and there's some big reveals, you know, and you, for this one, you know, even in this picture alone, you kind of get an image of, whoa, what's going on here, but it might not necessarily be what you think it is. So, <laughs> and it skis a little bit on the, on the gross side, but you know, Hey, that's uh, adventuring in the far flung future has a, uh, you know, you never I'm, know what can happen. I'm interested in what the description for that was, because <laughs> it was is essentially he was wearing a skin suit that he was crawling out of. You know, so <laughs> that's the uh, way you see what you get. But yeah. you know, I think I think he pulled it off pretty well. You know, yeah, as that's he's great. rising up out of it. So, um, so we onto the the next piece is this is just um this is by Sebastian Rodriguez, and oh, nice. you know, um. I, I kind of wanted to just show, you know, our iconics. Well, I'm saying I'm showing this in the panel, but the description was just, this is for an alien archive opener. And that's where we kind of get to show off and expand new aliens that are being introduced every month to just show a bigger world and, you know, more for stuff for you guys to play around with. And I just liked uh, this, like, fireball demon-esque thing, you know, and we got Isif, you know, diving out of the way. And it was just a kind of a cool opening piece to the Alien Archive to kind of show, like, you know, hey, this is some stuff you guys are going to be coming up against. And so that's one example of that. I'm going to move into a couple more aliens here. And so next, uh, we have um, a new alien race that's being introduced, or I, would, I should say that's being more pulled to the forefront and the focus in one of the adventure paths, the Baranthu. And this is a uh, cover art piece and just kind of lets you know a little bit what you're in store for here. And I actually didn't order this piece, but it comes in together with the path. And I just thought it was a good example of um, kind of like a newer alien. And these are introduced pretty consistently. And this is by Thomas Kratowski. Do you know exactly how to say that? Thomas yeah. Kratowski. Yeah. And so he's <laughs> one of our cover artists. And um, he just did a good job bringing this guy to life by the prompts that were done by the, the developers. Um, so we'll move on to the next one. Um, and this is kind of like, I thought this was interesting to show. This is going to be in the Devastation arc. And it kind of just shows some of the... Uh, um, the city aspects and what kind of goes on there and the whole different cultures. And, you know, this is kind of a cool, you know, we got ourselves in a classic chase here 
and this is kind of this demon ghost car that's come in and you know like what is this how does this work and so I just wanted to first show off this first piece of the action of it and you know the chase and then we'll move to the next and there's this kind of a glimpse at the more fully realized version of it you know and it's like the interesting thing is that some of this stuff has you know some grounding in some of our our past and it's just kind of you know we all pull from what we know and this is just kind of an interesting you know demon hot rod but bring to the far fung future. And I like the way it turned out. And it just, to me, was kind of a fun thing, kind of a part of your adventure, you know, being chased down by this thing. So I think that shows a good representation. And uh, this is done by Mark Molnar and team, who is, uh, they have a staff that does work for us, of a bunch of talented different guys. So this was represented by them. Um, On to the next piece, which is uh, just another... um, an alien that is being uh, prominent in this adventure path. And it just wanted to show him off. It's a new, a new style of a new alien that gets represented a lot through it. So that's just a glimpse at him. Uh, On to the next piece is another, just um, just showing, you know, past races, ancestries being pulled forward into the future. And I just like the the way that this turned out for this drow. A touch of a Star Trek feel to it to me a little bit too, but uh, you know, in its own way. The expression that I is really good. cool. Yeah, just you know, I think that's a good point. Um, you know, a lot of this art is for you when you're in the book to to think about what's going on in the story and what are they thinking, the characters and the, the uh, NPCs and things like that, and to make that world richer for you to be in. And I think when you can create a little bit of a backstory with their expression or their clothing that just kind of helps enrich it um next up i'm just going to show a little bit of some tech that we have here that are coming and um this is for uh, another alien race that uh our man kent up here helped uh kind of um concept but this is some of their tech that goes along oh with it. cool yeah 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 so this is <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> So that's uh, some of the Civ stuff. Uh, another one by uh, Mark Molnar's team. And, you know, just some classic, crazy, you know, robotic future stuff here. <laughs> and I just like the kind of organic shape that it has. It has a little bit of living feel to it, but it still is obviously a machine. And so that's like the one side of it where it's, um, you know, this alien tech. But then we flash to the next image. And it kind of shows the counter to it, which is actually this illustration was by uh, Franklin Chan. It says Mark Molnar, but it was by Franklin Chan. And um, it's a cool, this is the Defender, kind of the uh, opposite of the previous version. And it kind of shows two different sides of the technology and uh, robotics that are being used in the Starfinder world. One by the alien side and one kind of more by the human and or, you know, opposing side. And so I decided it was a cool juxtaposition to show them a kind of more organic one. And then this one is a little more on the, um, you know, structural industrial uh, or, industrial side, you know. So I got one more image left and we'll uh, go into that. Um, and this is going to be coming up for the uh, Devastation arc. And it just is, I thought it's another just example of, you know, where can you go in Starfinder? And there's just a lot of really cool 
um, things to be uncovered. And this is just a giant command deck of a new, you know, ship and alien species. And, you know, who are they? What are they? You know, you'll find out by playing. And this, I thought, was a good, just like, here's another aspect of the world. They have, a, you know, they're giants compared to our iconics. What does this symbol mean? And this was a cool representation of that. So, um, yeah, so that was just kind of given an overview of a couple uh, adventure paths and some of the art that goes into it and our thought processes behind it. So thanks, guys. Okay, then I think the next series of images are from Kent. Yep. So if we want to go to the next slide, uh, a lot of what I'm working with here is from, uh, well, so you're going to see a lot of aliens here. Uh, and I think this is from Alien Archive. Is this four? Uh, yeah. But uh so what's fun about this is just getting to see, you know, pure creativity from both the developers and the artists in the different kind of aliens that you can run into when you're making your own game or following uh, a storyline. Um, and so here we see uh, some demonic aliens that are all plugged into a central VR system. Uh, and you can see, you know, some of them are, you know, having their own individual experiences and Others are helping each other with their uh, their controller gloves. Um, and, I love uh, this piece. It's so good. Yeah, <laughs> it, this one turned out really great. Uh, there's a complimentary piece to it somewhere that is also just one of them. And it's the design of the uh, VR demon is, is really good. Um, I was really happy with how it turned out. But I think this one is just showcases really well, even with a single piece, uh, that uh, you can have a lot of storytelling um and action and you know a bunch of people even just sitting uh so if we want to go to the next piece or the next slide um this is uh alien that you can run into and uh from an art director perspective i thought that this was just a really good example of um kind of a good combination of a painterly style as well as a rendered style it brings a lot of life to this piece and uh you can see in its colors that there are, you know, subtle, subtle color variations and unexpected uh, color combinations. And um, I thought it brought just a, like a lot of life to what this alien ends up being. Uh, is that, that a, is he large or is he tiny? Because those wingspans are going to be havoc on layout. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny you brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, layout ends up being a big part of all of this. Uh, luckily, I don't oh, have to deal tiny. too much with that. Yeah, I will say he's tiny for well, now. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> luckily some aspects can kind of go off the side of the page sometimes. That's yeah. right. So, but that's cool. uh, yeah, yeah. And this artist Rashad did awesome work. Um, really excited to just the level of creativity that he brought into his designs. I think worked really well in tandem with um, something that's not necessarily founded in uh, like fantasy that we've seen before. So, if you want to go to the next slide. Uh, this is by Jian, and uh, I hope I'm saying that right. One of the things I really loved about this piece is that uh, there's just some kind of unconventional storytelling happening inside of the design of this uh, piece. His helmet is strange. You can't really tell like where his eyes are, but it gives some indication that you know maybe this creature doesn't have conventional eyes and he's got some sort of covering over his ears that are uh, really tight. And, but then just to counter that, it's cool to see in a sci-fi having uh, uh, clothing that is still kind of ancestral or fabric-like. Um, it it doesn't all have to be metal and, and latex in the future. And I thought this was a really good example of that. 
there's some pretty cool storytelling going on with that, you know, with the top part of that helmet and then his face and then, you know, looking at the old watch, it kind of brings in a like, what is going on? Here? In some ways, it's almost I'm getting some of the, uh, you know, first thing that came to my mind was, uh, I'm late, I'm late, Allison Wonder yeah. kind of thing, right. you know, <laughs> but in a twisted way. So it's cool. Yeah. Um, uh I I, I, that, I think that's something that I'm looking for in all of the art that comes in, or at least the ones that I get really excited about, is, uh, you know, the difference between tabletop gaming and video games or movies is that you get to sit and look at this one piece for a long time. And so if you have storytelling, you know, not only on the first glance, but on the second time you're looking at it, or if the DM's talking for a really long time and you're checking out and you just want to look at a picture, like, you have a lot there to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so let's go to the next one. So this one's cool. <laughs> I like it just because it shows the interaction of uh, an actual iconic or, or uh, this might not actually be an icon, um, but writing uh, one of the aliens and how that might work. So you can see his, his lower arms actually holding on to the front uh, uh, of this mount, which I think is a, uh, uh, I think it's called a cloud ray or, or a skate or something. Um, and uh, I, I just loved how this one turned out. This is from Victor Leza, who I go to him all the time. I love his rendering style, and he brings a lot of detail into the images, which is spectacular. Cool color palette, too. Kind of the transition yeah. from that outfit into the mount. Uh, so we can go to the next slide. So this one's also by Rashad. Um, and again, I love his design approach just because it's, you know, with aliens, you can do kind of whatever you want. I think... Uh, <laughs> I think this is a pretty good example of doing whatever you want. Like, not really understanding at first, like, how this face works or if that head is what you expect it to be or if those are eyes or a mouth or... Yeah. It, it lets the viewer kind of decide uh, what's going on here. And it, it ignites your creativity a little bit, which totally. I, I think is really cool. Well, that's a good thing for a GM, you know, kind of, kind mm-hmm. of helps create from there, so... You're laying down some groundwork and letting them build what they want with it. Totally. Uh, so we go to the next slide. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Mouth I, I inside a pincer. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, like, so many brains uh-huh. on the back. So, uh, back. yeah, so I think this is... Uh, it kills me that I can't remember what this one's called, but I think it's, like, a brain collector. Um, somebody in chat will correct me, I'm sure. Uh, but I, I thought it was just a great approach to, uh, you know, a level of detail that we're looking for, um, often with creatures is you want to see the textures, you want to see, uh, the action of the creature and understand like how it operates and how it moves. Um, but, uh, a lot of that realism brings that forward and, uh, makes it so you can actually understand how this thing works in the, the world. Texture on that is crazy, man on the legs yeah. and everything like that well and it's really good material indication so the pods on the back look different from you know his skin on his face look different from the carapace on his legs and i thought this piece was really well done was that mouth on the pincher um was that in the description or is that something the artist added i you know i think it's something the artist added or it was something <laughs> this might have actually been based off of a, a bigger image that another artist did okay uh so uh, yeah, that's a good point it, Yes. That's the thing is like that's really cool to see what the artists will add to a um, uh, illustration that was done before, and I think this is a good representation of that. That you know we can see the into the artist's brain. 
And, well, it's cool too. Uh, six in, 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 yeah. <laughs> in larger illustrations, sometimes you get a very macro view of something. And so to really isolate it and, and look at each individual element of a creature or an alien is really cool. Yeah. Uh, so let's go to the next one, which I wanted to throw into the mix just because I thought it was horrible and uncanny and strange and upsetting. <laughs> and this next volume is going to be called Nightmare Archives. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh just the fact that it's got these tarantula legs and this this uncanny upsetting like uh lamprey mouth and this weird uh egg body that is a perfect texture i it, it makes you think uh uh of just how strange things can get yeah uh, yeah, the, te the texture on that eye and then the legs coming out of it just yeah it's just like yeah, really... you can like feel it seeping yeah yeah you, if, if you saw that crawl out from underneath your couch you'd be upset <laughs> <laughs> so let's go to the next slide so we don't have to look about it anymore cool yeah uh this so was done this by is... the same artist the uh, last two Matthias. no i don't think so no uh, okay. i think the previous one might have been mislabeled but this is Matthias and uh I love his art style. I think he does a really good kind of uh, approach to rendering. Um, it's it has a really good uh, like quality to it. Where you have it's something that I think about a lot with my own art. Uh, when I'm when I do art for Paizo, is it's going to lay on a page, which means that it should have sometimes a front light source. But then because it doesn't have anything surrounding it, it might be good to have like a white back light source because then it looks like it's actually tied into the page yeah. instead of being cut out of the page. Totally. Where sometimes you get things, you know, somebody will paint on a gray or black background and then you put it on a different background and it looks like, you know, they cut it out with scissors or something. Yeah, and that's a really, good, a really, really good point. Yeah, he does um, a really good job He actually was the cover artist for the second Starfinder of Husband, I think. Or maybe the first. No, second. Okay. <laughs> yeah, um, he, he is definitely a go to for me. Mm -hmm. Ken, do you know what he's holding? You I have no idea. Was. No, I no. <laughs> it in, almost in looks like a, it's like a, it's like it's like a gun sword because it looks like there's a trigger down there, so almost to me, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. interesting. <laughs> uh, that, that's the thing that's fun about this, even as an art director, is you can look at a piece of art and just get excited about it while yep. you're at work and and fall into it. Um, it's really encouraging. Uh, so if we want to go to the next piece, uh, I thought this was just another really good example of uh, tying an image into the page and having a, uh, a really good lighting situation, even though, uh, you know, you have just this creature not in an environment. There's uh, blue-green light coming from the right and uh, kind of orange light coming from the inside and from the left. And it just really helps show form on this creature and does some good storytelling as well um uh because the contrast of the blue lighting allows you to really see that like this thing is heating up inside and you know the front of its mouth is gross and melting almost yeah you can feel um, it's like about to unleash something most like yeah uh, it feels like you got a sore throat too like yeah <laughs> or it's an iguana just sunning on a rock you know yeah exactly but I, I thought this was just, you know, the level of detail put into this was really great. And the storytelling and the pose, even though it's a kind of a simple pose, it's there's enough action here that, you know, you could actually imagine this somewhere. It doesn't really sit stagnant on the page. Uh, you know, the next one, uh, just another spider creature. Uh, I enjoy these a lot. And I like the idea that people can still create new things with spiders. Um, 
I think it's maybe one of my favorite things whenever I'm playing is to kill a spider. Uh, <laughs> so I thought it'd be good to include this. Uh, yeah. I also wanted to say about this one, just for how it sits on the page, the because it's has so many legs, uh, Locke gets lost um, or could get lost in its depth. And the artist did a really good job here of, you know, the legs in the foreground are really well defined and darker. The legs in the background start to recede and they become lighter. And that just shows the uh, the form and the distance it allows you to differentiate between, you know, which leg is attached to where. Uh, and it makes it easier for the viewer to really understand how this thing works. Uh, and then we can go to the next slide. And that, was a cool, that was a cool group of aliens. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what we're shooting for. Yeah, right. Uh, so uh, the next series is from uh, the ship operations manual. I think I got that right. Uh, and so this is going to be a bunch of ships. Um, so uh, what I really liked about this piece was uh, one of the problems that I think people run into with ship designs is because they're sculptural. In essence, they sit on a page and unless you have them shooting something like it's hard to show that there's a lot of action happening. And so actually thinking about, you know, the thrust on the back of the ship and how it moves and what that looks like, uh, brought a lot of life to this image instead of letting it sit flat on the page. Um, we can go to the next one. Uh, this one I just thought was a really good example of, again, actually showing how something uh, fades back in space. Uh, for this one, they had to get lighter in the background and, uh, more detailed and darker in the foreground. Um, and what's fun about this one too is just it's there's an understanding of how this thing works, even though it is totally alien. You can see like uh, what the cockpits are and uh, you know how people would operate it, how people would feel it. Um, and uh, I just thought it was a really interesting piece for those reasons. And it's just an interesting shape for a ship. Um, and if we go to the next one, we can actually talk about that idea a little bit more. I love this one because it is so uh, it's so believable that this could even exist today. And it's one of my favorite ideas about spaceship designs is, you know, you're in space, you're not worrying about atmosphere or aerodynamics um, or even like uh, human interaction. So what takes precedent here is how something's moving through space. What is, you know, what is the hierarchy of importance? And for this, it's moving stuff through space and having all these, uh, operations accessible and out on the outside uh, and, and you get rid of those wings on it it's like i could almost see that thing going underwater like when you're uh <laughs> diving <We're laughs> <all> <laughs> yeah I, I mean uh they train astronauts underwater right so yeah, yeah. It, there's a lot of translation there uh i just love how this piece turned out um and uh, uh i think you know you could actually imagine this existing today which brings again just like a lot of reality into uh something that is otherwise fantastical it's really cool uh if we go to the next one so this is a scene from the book um and this is kind of inverse of what i just said about the previous one is you have these ships that are supposed to exist in outer space well it's really cool to see the action of them uh moving through you know an actual physical environment uh and getting shot at and you know flying underneath canyons and uh it just brings a lot of action a lot of life and a lot of understanding of uh uh how these things could actually work and it brings a lot of drama too between uh you know the ship in the background is very industrial and the ship in the foreground is uh i think a sheeran ship and uh is very organic looking and just the contrast like, between those two it's a cool chase but, yeah you can feel it 
yeah, you can see that rocket that's been launched out, and there's a moment that's about to happen where you know, is it gonna get hit or what's the uh, what's that torpedo? Yeah, or, yeah, is that gonna turn sharply and the other ship will go crashing? Yeah, yeah. Which is uh, the point of art in the book, I think, is to ignite your imagination. Uh, and if we go to the next image, uh, this was actually so. This is with a uh, totally new artist, and he sold himself completely to me with this image. Um, I love the bone structure of it and the mood and the feeling that he's brought into this. Um, there's there's so much uh, asymmetry in this, but it still looks functional and you can understand how this thing works and you know the grandiose scale of it. There's so much detail inside of it that you, you fall into this image, but also the lighting and the atmosphere of this adds a lot of mystery and storytelling to the image. Uh, I, I absolutely love how this I like this out. one too you know it's cool because it has a um, obviously a futuristic kind of sci-fi vibe but it also has like a weird you know like almost hell ship or underworld like a, there's a mythology to it too uh, that I could see within it almost you know has yeah. almost a touch too of kind of some like Wayne Barlow visions of hell feeling mm. or something like that um, yeah, it's, it's cool it brings a lot of different together it it, uh, it the thing I always think about is like if you put this much detail into something, you're going to be able to find inspiration inside of it. You're going to be able to create your own ideas out of this, and yeah. I think this one just does such a great job of that. Uh, if we go to the next image, uh, this is another great one. I think it's just such a good example of what I'm looking for in art. Sometimes is uh, it's got a really good light source, and with that light source, it shows the form really well. Um, and it's got like a really strong, bold color choice uh, that complements the overall shape of the design. Um, and it's just, there's a really nice balance in this one, which I love with good ship design is uh, between big elements and small elements. So you can see the big elements are, you know, it's the big overall shape, the big almost gun-like portion of the front. And then the smaller, uh, like you get a sense of scale and storytelling out of, uh, uh, where all the, the lighting and the window ports are, and you can really feel the the weight, like the heft. It's very expansive feeling with that lighting, like you know, the being dark underneath like that because it's so massive over the top. Where it's you know, I could just imagine staring up at that thing as it's like blotting out the sky, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I, again, this is this is the kind of thing often I'm looking for. Uh, so let's go to the next slide. So this one is a really interesting example. I think they did a really great job. Um, and uh, one of the things that is so great about it is it is actually such a simple form, which means, you know, with more complex forms, uh, with creatures and monsters, you can hide stuff in ambiguity. Uh, with a really simple, clean form like this, you have to you have to be perfect about it because you can't hide anything. And I think this is just a really nice, clean example of uh, how somebody painted a ship and how they rendered it and made it just really elegant. Um, yeah, it's very sleek. Yeah, yeah. Like you don't know of... where you don't know where any of the doors would be or any of the um, you know, it's just kind of really hidden. Yeah, it's like yeah. a liquid. Yeah, you can almost hear like how the doors would open because they're yeah. they're pocketed perfectly. They slide open. <laughs> bit of a art deco influence on it too kind of yeah uh, how those yeah. lines part and split over yeah. the engine port cool. they, they did a cool. great job uh let's go to the next one so this one is uh 
a good example again of having something sit really nicely on the page it has a really strong silhouette i feel like this one if you put it next to any other ship you'd be able to identify it right away um it has a really cool like you can't tell if those are uh uh light ports or if those are the engines it doesn't really matter because you want to hop in this thing and take it for a ride which is you know when you get that reaction to something uh really fun um but uh I don't have too much more to say about it other than I, I love this one. Cool. Yeah, let's go to the next one. Uh, so this one's a good example of uh, bringing a little bit of a painterly style into a rendering. Um, you can see on the detailing of the, the paneled surface, there's some life there. Uh, sometimes when people render, uh, things get very stagnant because they pick one color and they stick to that one color and one texture. And This one shows that you know this has kind of a mottled surface and it just... Uh, shows the light interesting but it's yeah. still really clean really professionally done and uh sits really nice on the page um i think that's a really good point about what you're talking about of us how stuff sits on the page and stuff like that because you know we use a lot of this art across different um platforms but you know in the end it's always its main purpose is to be printed in the books and that's just such a key part to how this stuff is done and how it, the end of the product should look so it's really nice when an artist can really understand that and think about that along with their process. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's interesting because they end up in books first. It's like, that's always the first box that needs to be checked off. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the next one. So if you're going to have a lot of ships, you need a little engineer to work on them. Uh, I thought this was just an interesting scene. Uh, the art order called to see the uh, Skittermander from the backside. And I thought it was just interesting to show this from a different perspective. And I just thought that there was a lot of character put into the facial expression of this guy and seeing all his little tools with all his little arms. Uh, and so I thought that it's fun too that uh, just, you know, when you're designing uh, costumery for an alien, you have to consider like how they put they put it on, and I thought they did a really good job of. You know. It's cool to see different artists takes on the Skittermanders as they you know become more prevalent across different things and how people represent them in ways. The fur on this turned out really good. Yeah, it's like you want it's like a plushy pet. Well, you can even see like the <laughs> that like the thickness of his tail and yeah. the weight of that. Um, like it would almost drag a little bit more behind him, and only the tip of it would really move. I bet uh, they overall. shed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, let's go to the next one. Uh, so this one I included because if there was a ship out of this whole thing that I would want and you know put in my carport and actually drive and do this, I it's just got such great look. It's uh, a really good example of uh, storytelling. Um, you know, it's a really fast looking ship, but it still needs to function. So you have these exhaust ports and these, uh, you know, these what are often internal workings on the outside. And it just this thing looks like it goes fast. Uh, yeah. um, and, uh, you know, he has the front windshield as well as the back windshield included, which just gives you a sense of realism. Um, and a, it, it's a level of detail that like, while a lot of these things probably work with sensors and cameras and uh, it's just good to see sometimes how uh, an actual character would interact with a piece of technology like this. Uh, nice. uh, next one. Uh, this one is another one of my favorites, just because it's it's such an interesting approach to a big ship. It's it's so incredibly sculptural. You know, oftentimes with big ships, you get things that are big and heavy and clunky. And while this is that, it's also there's a level of uh, you know delicacy to this that's brought in that scene that that central uh ridge um 
and uh, just his approach to painting this. You, you can tell that this thing is used for a lot of different reasons. It's got a cargo bay in the back with a bunch of little uh, cargo ports and uh, uh, or cargo boxes, and um, just turned out to be a really great piece. Uh, and uh, I think we can go to the next one, which might be the last one. Uh, so if you have ships, you have things that hunt ships. Uh, that's always good to see. So here we have a giant space monster that's uh, attacking a ship, which I think is doing a pretty poor job of defending itself. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It looks like that, that time ship is over. Yeah. That ship's time is over. <laughs> uh, so I think uh, that's it for the, the art and the books. Uh, where do we want to go from here, Sarah? Cool. That was a lot of ships and aliens, and wow, that's a lot of art because it's weird. Sometimes I don't get to see most of this art until um, I do the uh, final approvals to go to print. So it's good to see um, what we put in the books. Yep. <laughs> There's a lot of trust between us, isn't there? <laughs> um, yeah. Well, so okay, so that's the um, art showing part of this panel and then i think we're going to go into sort of a um interactive concept drawing with kent drawing um uh he'll be sharing his screen and then we'll be doing a he'll be doing a live draw for that so i think if you want to just go into that right away and then um well he's doing that i think adam and i we can be taking uh, questions and that'll work yeah okay. so i guess right we're going to present you guys with a if you look at kent's screen here we're going to do what is the most popular suggestion from A, B, C, and D. And then those four uh, different suggestions will be combined. And that is what Kent will be drawing from. So if you guys want to take a look up at uh, Kent's screen there, you can see those columns. And we'll just let you guys for a minute throw out what sounds the most interesting to you. And whatever is yeah. the uh, most popular is what uh, he'll be basing it off of. So yeah, so it looks, it looks like they're uh, taking a moment to get this switched over on Twitch. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, so uh, in a, in a minute we'll have this up and running, and then I think uh, uh, we'll just take this column by column, uh, which people will see in a second. Yeah, okay. um, yeah. I guess we should probably maybe um, re-explain once. Yeah, I once it's uh, posted up here. Thanks for sticking with us, everybody. Yeah. Hope this has been uh, somewhat informative and a little bit of an insight to how things are are done. There we are. Uh, okay, so I think if we want to just take it. Uh, column A. Um, uh, we'll figure out uh, just across the board which adjectives we want to use, and from there we'll create um, kind of a makeshift art order. And uh, you guys can see the process of uh, what uh, what uh, putting one of these pieces together looks like. So we'll give chat a minute, and then one of the moderators or whoever can say which one yeah. seems like. It's, so we're, uh, we're on column A right now. So I guess we should just say column A and then have it cut off. Well, so I'm seeing right a now, lot of frost. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of frost. I'm seeing yeah. a lot of frost, face. frost, frost, frost. A little bit of fire. Yeah, this another 10 seconds. Um, I just saw Damien's name on there. I want to give a huge shout out to Damien, who was supposed to be our guest of honor this year. Right, Sarah? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, yes. Um, but of course, <laughs> being in the situation, hopefully he'll um, be available for us next year. Yeah. Um, which is I, awesome. I'm not, awesome because I've been using him for, I think, almost 10 years. And yeah. I was really looking forward to meeting him because this would be the first time I got to meet him. But Me too. Uh, beautiful work. Great cartography. Um, I couldn't show some of the stuff of his for the upcoming APs because we can't be giving away some of that stuff. 
but um, just uh. But if you use any of the Starfinder flip mats, he is the cartographer for that, for all of them. And all the Starship interiors for the adventure paths. Yes. Lots of really amazing work. So Big shout uh, out to you, buddy. First column, we got Frost in space. Maybe we should do like a space Frost something. Okay. Well, actually, how about this? Let's just say fire and ground are out of the mix. And if people want to take another, let's say, just like 30 seconds here um, and pick between Frost or space. If you already voted once, vote again, um, and we'll just get a a better idea of what the leaning is. I'm seeing a lot of frost, though. So. Of frost. I think I think I think it's frost, man. Yeah, frost. Yep. Really yep. Okay, we're going with okay. frost. All right, so we're All right. going. With so frost. that's closed. Now we're going to column B. Column B. So your options are spine antler, hammer, axe. Spine antler, man. Go. <laughs> oh, we got hammer and axe. Hammer axe, occasional hammer uh, axe. Really like hammer. <laughs> okay, I'm not seeing a lot yeah. of. Oh, well, spine yeah, and antler hammer. now are taking over. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm seeing a lot of hammer, a lot of axe. I see spine. I see oh, antler. I see antler. Man, I'm it's hard taking, to tell. I'm taking spine out. We'll have hammer and axe in here now. I don't know, man. There's a lot of spines and antlers, man. I don't know. Hard to say. Well, I think it looks like hammer. I think. Okay, let's go with hammer. This, okay, this cool. is not going to be a uh, perfect system, by the way, for Dude. people who have other suggestions for how we should do this. Uh, Frost uh, hammer. That's the name of my next band. <laughs> yeah, Frost hammer, exactly. <laughs> so right now, I think we're sitting pretty pretty here. So uh, let's go to column C. All right, now we're in the we're in the money zone now. The options are uh, undead, giant, ooze, hairy, which honestly by itself could be a monster. Yeah. I know. Okay, so we're getting undead. That's oh man, hairy and ooze. I'm seeing lots of ooze, hairy ooze, dude. Hairy, ooze. That hairy <laughs> ooze. So with so much hairy ooze going on, I'm taking undead and giant owl. No, oh, no. It I seems think, like, think, like an even I, split between hairy and ooze. Well, maybe you should do them both. <laughs> <laughs> we're not adding a fifth adjective to this. <laughs> hairy, hairy. Hey. There's a lot of um, ooze at the beginning too. Yeah. So how about this? Uh, <laughs> I think ooze might win it, man. Uh, yeah. That, you know yeah, what? I'm just win. gonna I'm gonna make an executive decision here that I I enjoy drawing stuff with ooze. So okay. So let's go to column D. All right, last one. So flying, eating, charging, blasting. So these are more action. And blasting, 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 yeah. flying, charging, flying. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! People are exciting, <laughs> excited about blasting. Okay, I'm seeing not too much flying, not blasting and eating. eating. Not, I think we're going with blasting. Okay. Still, yeah, blasting. That'd be great. Okay, so frost hammer, blasting. Let me hold on to that for a second. I'm going to. So with an art order, uh, Adam, do you want to just pitch me real quick using frost hammer blast eating what this art order might say? I mean, th I should clarify real quick to people in the chat. This is not how we design books. No, the developers have or or the, the uh, role in it. I don't know. Maybe we should now. Man. Frost, hammer, ooze, and blasting. Hmm. So well, maybe we'll just, uh, so let's see. I'm just going to get those up here. So to me, if it was in a way of an art order, it would be this creature lives in a cold and frosty environment, wields a giant blunt object of some kind, possibly a hammer that ties into his um, surroundings. Maybe it's, 
yeah maybe it's actually like a mix of like a uh, part of his anatomy is the, mm -hmm. the hammer and the blunt aspect yeah, yeah uh ooh, and that that's interesting with ooze so maybe it was a hammer and it's uh attached like it's picked up a hammer over time and has made it part of its anatomy. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's so it's dripping and partly oozing in way. So I mean, we could say that his um, environment is yeah a part of him, and then it's part of the hammer is too, and all these are coming together as kind of an organic uh, structure or shape. So it will entail those, and then what the blasting. So what is that? Could that be that it's 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 oozing and it's shooting parts of him are shooting out or he's coming up out of something in that sort of way. What do you think? I like the parts of him blasting out, blasting out. Yeah. I think that'd be cool. Could have the ooze shooting and yeah. blasting in a way. Frosty ooze coming towards your way. <laughs> so I just want to check some, quick with, yeah, uh, we, got, we got frozen ooze blasting snowballs, frost slime <laughs> with hammer hands that blast ooze and, and ice. <laughs> the ooze in the Arctic blasting lightning. Like ooh, like Sandman forming hammer fists from Spider Man. That's that's a decent kind of uh, visual in your head. So real quick, I just had to reset some stuff uh, because it looks like it wasn't updating well from uh, from Discord to. Uh, so somebody uh, wants uh, an MC Hammer vibe. So you know you can put some uh, parachute hammer on them. Yeah, yeah, some Zubaz. Yeah. <laughs> so let's see. So let's see. Uh, frost environment. Yeah, it seems like maybe this is working now blunt dripping so i'm i'm imagining kind of a big heavy creature mm -hmm. you know, um i think sarah you're looking at the chat too right did did yeah. you say you want to take uh does anybody have any questions or anything like that did we want to do q, q a during this while he's kind of going along or yeah because i want to focus like, on this there's a slight delay from his screen to um the twitch so yeah let's let's we can go ahead and take questions um i have one here um the first one was, what is your agenda on sci-fi stereotypes in like in art, like beehive pattern or black and yellow stripe and neon? Oh, is that for me? Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry. I, I thought you were answering your own question. Um, nope. I mean, you know, I guess you don't want to do anything too stereotypical or that's been done a lot or that's... Uh, I guess I could say that's just like overkill or really common and things, but a lot of the time it just depends on what the order is and what you have to do to come up with the best piece of art. So sometimes there has to be things that are familiar because that's what ties you into the artwork. It kind of that familiarity gives you an aha moment that you can be like, I can kind of recognize this but hopefully there's enough changes to it that brings it to its own thing. So it isn't completely derivative or too um, stereotypical, I guess. That would be my answer for that. If that's, I don't know, if I understood the correction correctly. And yeah, I'm seeing some, uh, sorry, I'm seeing some, he's he's using Photoshop to draw this with. That's most people, that's pretty the standard, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I'm wondering, are people able to see this okay? It seems like uh, there might be some problems with uh, how it's, translating so you'll have to be patient with us and trust that we'll uh have this set up right soon yeah and i'm assuming kent you're doing this on your cintiq right you're not doing this yeah. on the ipad or procreate or anything no this so, is uh this is wacom cintiq yeah. that i use uh um we got a well sarah were you going to answer that question too 
or did you want well, to? I mean, there is another um, tie-in question to that. Is like, do you worry about hairstyles being too contemporary, or do you think the art as a contemporary, or do you think of the art as contemporary work? Um, well, since we're dealing with a lot of fantasy kind of stuff um, and sci-fi stuff, um, we try not to have like you know. Uh, real world being brought in so we tried to make it more fan like fantasy hairstyles or fantasy or sci-fi hairstyles but you know sometimes they come in and um either we miss them but that that's something that, that actually i look out for a lot because um who want who wants to bring in like 80s perm into rpgs anyway <laughs> no 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 so and then and then but sometimes it the AP will require that. So um, right now we're doing a, um, a venture path that's kind of more in the Victorian area. So we kind of bring their um, their costumes and styles into this, but also try to make it still fantasy and not just bring it into the um, just bring it right directly into the adventure path. I think that's kind of an interesting thing about the Pathfinder and Starfinder settings is there's a lot of you know somewhat historical references um, and subsections of the world that tie into some of our past because that's you know where we all come from and it's about being able to take that and create its own world which I think has been done with a pretty good job like we've done a pretty good job with that um, but you know I mean daily life affects all of us so there's going to be some references that are going to be a little bit re referential to things solely because you know we all share that in common right okay and then the next question is do you have a set theme for a starfinder i see a lot of purple and blue in the art is that on purpose i think and um well yes it was on kind of on purpose because we wanted to set it apart from uh pathfinder which is a lot of browns uh, and you know, a lot of parchments the, uh... and, and um more earthy colors and so what we wanted to do with starfinder was set it apart from that and kind of take the colors from space which um, are more vibrant and um so yeah we did it was purposely set to have more vibrant colors for the um for the uh, game plus you got to think too like a big point of this is um you know these are printed books covers that you look at in a store it's kind of um i remember when you first came up with kind of the color palette for starfinder and stuff like that it's uh that really jumps out to you from the shelf and makes it look different from a right. lot of other things that are out there you know right so, Right, you can put Pathfinder and Starfinder like right next to each other. You could definitely tell they're two different games. Um, I see a question of uh, how much uh, do you let physics affect the illustrations for Starfinder uh, rather than high fantasy art? And I could say, at least uh, on my side of things, that um, I think the developers definitely have a lot of that in mind of how, you know, this would work in the real world. And if you saw part of what Kent was talking about with all the starships and with him, you know, saying, you know, I can really feel the weight of this. I could see this, you know, flying around. I think that there's uh, a fine line between, you know, trying to come up with something that's interesting, futuristic, but also is believable. But it's also a point, you know, a lot of this stuff, we don't have any real bearing on yet. You know, we don't know quite. We have we know what the real world physics of them are, but we don't know how these things would function in space and things like that because it's just, you know, we have no real life references for it. So I think this uh, combination of the two is kind of the best. Uh, something that since it is a fantasy setting, you want to be able to have it a little bit fantastical, but also grounded that it could be this could be a real thing. How's it going, Kent? Good. 
Uh, I'm not sure if people are able to see this totally on the Twitch stream. Um, it seems like maybe there's some technical issues happening. Uh, so you'll have to bear with us and hopefully you'll be able to see uh, uh, what's going on. What's uh, what's a little little dude in there? Yeah, okay, so I'm playing around a little bit with uh, storytelling here. And so my thought was, uh, you know, maybe this is some sort of spell that's being cast. Uh, and this is uh, almost like a protective suit of armor that's being created out of ooze uh, in kind of a frosted environment. And this character in the center, who I'll illustrate a little bit more in a minute, uh, is casting this spell that allows... uh, like become sort of this ice ooze creature uh which has encapsulated a giant statue piece of a hammer uh that it's using as a weapon and what we'll see here in the illustration is uh you know it sucking up uh from the ground and you know kind of creating its form at the same time as it's uh 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 standing up um uh, um, so some, some, something that I'm going to try and do here too is uh, uh, paint. Uh, you know, now that I've decided what the story of this thing is, have uh, his pose inside reflected in the outer pose. You know, and maybe this is even kind of a symbiotic relationship between an actual monster instead of a spell being cast. That's right. Uh, like you've done this before, Kent. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Okay, so we have a few other questions here. Um, let's see. Besides technology, what direction do you see RPG going? RPG are going in the future. Adam, do you want to take this one? Um, so I guess you know that's that could be for what Starfinder and Pathfinder, or just in general. Um, just in general, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, man, you know it's hard to say because so much of things are influenced by you know what is going on around you and or what our history is or what we think the future is going to be like so it's just interesting because you know a lot of like you say the starfinder stuff is is based off of technology that has happened and then we imagine it in the in the future and what that would kind of be like so to me i just think it's going to be more along the lines of taking the things that we know and trying to kind of outdo them for a either a future version if it's in the sci-fi or b taking things that we know from the past and really trying to find a new twist on them and create a new pathway and i guess that's kind of like what a lot of um these games are about are being able to create familiar worlds that are new that take elements from things that we know and i guess that's just a really fine line and that's uh you know that's going to be up to you know the pe- the people that create these games, uh, the artists that help envision them, and that's one of the cool parts is that you know as as people as human beings we all kind of have different inputs of that, and the collective vision of those coming together will kind of determine that. Well, I think a lot of uh, you know sci-fi stuff that was decided in the past, we in reality have already surpassed it. You know, um, in the past, it was very fantastical to think that everybody would have a computer in their pocket. And now it's it's so expected in reality that uh, sci-fi in the future is going to be having to push those boundaries. And I think that's why you see a lot of stuff already that's like uh, stuff that is either biologically ingrained into people or, um, you know, kind of uh, 
uh, like augmented enhancements to people. And yeah. um, I think we're going to see a lot more of stuff like that uh, in sci-fi. Okay, so we have another question um, <laughs> down here. It says, for what PG rating are you aiming? How much gore, brutality, or nudity can your art contain? Um, do we try kind of to keep it family friendly? Um, and uh, try not to like, you know, go too overboard, but you know, sometimes if it's the story is justified for such things, I mean, it shouldn't be justified for anything, but um, you know, it, it just goes, the subject matter should probably match with the art. And, um, but again, we try to keep it PG, we try to keep it family friendly. And if something comes back too grotesque or too much nudity, we will definitely try to um, correct that. And um, before it goes to print, Adam, uh, Kent, you guys want to add to that? I try to keep it as metal as possible. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh no i'm just uh i think it just following up kind of with what you said i think that sometimes you know some Im images could be pretty arresting and, and pretty violent i kind of think maybe that gray ooze image that i showed of the skin suit kind of showed that a little bit but um that it, it served the story you know and that it was pretty important so and it was kind of a an arresting scene on purpose and so i think that when it's called for it's necessary you know that's a that's a part of life for everyone in this world and i don't think that you have to completely shy away from it but i don't think there's any point in things to be gruesome just for the sake of it you know i think that the yeah, most I, important thing is that the stuff serves whatever the story is yeah i think it, it's it's not something that's used lightly um and it's used with intention uh you know, if if we were just bandying around stuff for sensationalism's sake, you know, uh, I I just don't think that's part of our, uh, our our approach to the design. But that said, if something is, you know, if if you have something that's been ripped in half, like that that's important for the story and it needs to be shown in a way that represents that right so and then I, um another question we have here is would you ever consider doing a piece of art in an ap where the iconics wear and wield items picked up in the adventure how much ap information do the artists have when making art orders um well the the whole role of the iconics is to be um for them to be very recognizable so it's like cartoons you never see donald duck wearing you know, something else other than if it fits for the story. So we have had some of our comics in different uniform and different costumes, uniforms, in different costumes, but um, it was very specific to the story. And if there's certain items in the adventure that um, needs for them to be holding, I think that would be more of an interior piece than um, a more of a cover um, illustration where we try to keep the iconics to their recognizable outfits and um so and then for the information uh, for art orders for the ap sometimes we'll get you know i'll ask we'll ask the uh, developers uh what they were thinking for the iconics in the um story and we'll try to get that back to the artist so they can put that into the illustration but um usually it's just um we try to keep the um information light so we can get the artist their inter interpretation of um the piece um do you guys have anything else to add to that um 
I, you know, I guess it, most of the time, I think there's sometimes there's some of the art, I think in some of the half pagers and an adventure path has uh, the iconics either interacting maybe with a piece of technology or uh, an item that's like crucial to the story. Um, I think kind of back to what you said, though, is that, you know, their gear is a part of them. It's almost just as iconic as what they are you know head is in a way it's it's uh it, it goes along with them as a character so i think that part won't really change that much but um there definitely could be there definitely is sometimes uh them interacting with uh special items or or you know whatever things in the story um but I don't think along the way of like that, you know, they get a piece of gear that you can get in the adventure and then it levels up with them throughout the artwork or anything like that. Um, just doesn't quite serve the story as well. I think. Right. And then another question we have here is do art orders ever end up changing the mechanics or the story it was ordered for? Uh, yes, they do. Yeah. Um, sometimes we will get an illustration that is like super awesome and um they'll be carrying maybe a different kind of weapon that um or it just turned out not exactly what the the developers were thinking but it's something that looks really awesome and they're like okay we're gonna change the text to match the illustration and i mean it doesn't happen a lot but it happens um pretty pretty much pretty frequently so yeah. yeah, sometimes the art will change the um, text of the story for the for the story. <laughs> Sorry. I don't, it, I don't think it does anything, you know, super major, like completely changes the outcome right. or something. But for sure, there's sometimes where, uh, you know, we'll, art will come in and we'll discuss and show people and it'll be like, you know what, that's just too cool not to use. So let's go with it, you know. Right. I, I think between the developers and the artists, there's kind of a dual relationship of inspiration. You know, the developers are, are putting the initial life into an idea and then the artist comes back and, you know, because it's so generalized on the front end, sometimes, you know, there's just new inspiration that's been uh, brought there um, by the artist. And, you know, you're not going to just throw that away if it's really exciting. Um, so it's it's kind of a fun give and take relationship. Uh, but I, I'd say for the most part, uh, artists follow the art or, or the art order um, and it works pretty well. I think a lot of what we do is the uh, interpretation of the order and then work out a lot of the details with them and then the how the final art should appear. That's kind of a synthesis between all that. Um, um, so then we have another question here is when you are creating the art, do you know in which format it is going to be used, like cards, books, or web? And if you do, how does that influence the art? I can speak well, to this one a little bit. Um, yeah, go ahead. Like, so, sometimes we have art that is for a card, and uh, you know, oftentimes as an artist, you want to put all the detail in, in the world into something. But if it's going to show up as you know one inch by an inch and a half, putting a lot of detail in there actually destroys the piece because it adds so much visual noise. Um, so I think oftentimes we work to the scale that we're working for. But I think there's also you know a lot of the art gets used in a lot of places. So if it works on a page in a book, it's going to work most other places. And then um, I think we'll take this last question and then um, we'll see what Kent has done. <laughs> the final image that we have. <laughs> oh, and this then, is not final. 
I know, don't be a final, but um, we may see a final maybe in a future blog or future publication. Yeah, we'll try and finish this up so people can see uh, what their votes have turned into. Right. So the last question would be, what's your favorite piece of art that you've been involved in or made yourself? So my favorite piece, I mean, I guess it would be basically the any of the Wayne, Ardle, Wayne Reynolds cover pieces, because um, only because he's just so... Just so easy to um, work with, and I've worked with him for so long that he just, I can just give him like a, you know, a two sentence description and he will just bang it out and give us a great piece every single time. And it's hard for me to say what my favorite piece is because I've been at Paisal for so long and I've done so much art that um, not one piece really stands out for me. But I think, I think, because I think we've done a pretty good job of making our art consistently pretty awesome. So, Adam, do you have any um, favorite piece that you were involved with? Um, I can't think of an individual piece, just, you know. Just like you, uh, it's, there's been so many at this point that it's hard for me, even though I'm sure I do if I really sat and went back and looked through. But I can stay personally in the last year that I, I really enjoyed working on the uh, Attack of the Swarm adventure path. I liked uh, a way a lot of that art turned out. Um, and I kind of helped a little bit with the uh, border treatment and the feel of um, how the book kind of looked in that way. So I had fun putting my input and working on that. So recently, I just, I really liked the way that all the in insectoids and that kind of aspect came about. And it was cool because it was a general concept that we got to see spun in a lot of different ways. And so recently, that was one of my favorites. Um, uh, Kent, how about you? Yeah, uh, so I, I think it's actually one of the privileges of our job is that we get to see so much art and we get to see it throughout the entire process. Um, and so some of my favorite pieces are not actually you know the finalized version sometimes they're the roughest sketches that we get in uh to approve a piece um and uh so i i think every single week there's some new piece of art that comes in that you know i fall in love with uh so it's it's, re it's really hard to pick any just one piece um as far as my own art it's kind of the inverse whenever i'm working on a piece i love it and as soon as it's done and out of my hands i hate it so <laughs> <laughs> uh so my, my my favorite art that i'm ever working on is the next piece okay so one last question for kent what's your favorite to draw from the following list people creatures structures weapons landscapes uh creatures it always creatures yeah it's always <laughs> I, I feel like every artist ever asked that you know unless they're very specifically an environment artist they Everybody like loves drawing creatures. Uh, my, my first project for Paizo was working on one of the bestiaries, and it was just, uh, it, it was the it was the best introduction into the company because it was this opportunity to draw, you know, as many creatures as I was assigned, and uh, you know, that was like just a first really good warm welcome to the company was getting to draw creatures. And uh, any anytime I have an opportunity to draw a creature either just, you know, in my own personal work or, or for Paizo, um, that there's a, there's a little extra life in it for me because I'm having such a fun time working on it. Cool. Well, I think that should be the end of this panel and yeah. hope you guys enjoyed. Can the, you uh, want to give a, did he, I'm sorry, did he, I, I ran away to replug my computer in for a second. Did he give a final wrap up on this character here? Yeah. So uh, I, I, I I think there will probably be a more final wrap up later because it looks like there's a lot of technical problems happening with between oh, yeah. this and Twitch. 
so if if people are interested, uh, we'll try and make a post later uh, of what the final image looks like because it looks pretty garbled up right now. Um, right. But uh, so for now, uh, I'll stop sharing. Um, All right. And then I guess cool. I will go back on. Oh, Here. Adam, you're the director <laughs> of visual design now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, whoops. <laughs> okay, so I think that's the panel, and I hope you enjoyed the last hour and a half. It was yeah. great to um, speak to all you guys, and hope you have the rest, uh, a great rest of the PaisaCon online. Yeah, thanks for all the questions, guys, and interest. It was uh, a lot of fun, and it was uh, cool talking with you. Yep. Yep. Thank you uh, all Thank for you. showing up. The No Direction Network's PaizoCon Online 2020 seminar coverage was made possible by the No Direction Con team, consisting of Jefferson J. Thacker, also known as Param, Ryan Costello, Alexander Agunis, Vanessa Hoskins, Randall Meyer, Dustin Knight, and John Godin. Special thanks to Paizo's social media producer, Peyton Smith, and the entire Paizo staff. For more great Pathfinder, Starfinder, and other RPG news, reviews, podcasts, and blogs, check out NoDirectionPodcast.com. <laughs>